welcome to the Simsec Real-Time Strategy Podcast with myself, Brett Perry, August Cole, and with uh, Matthew Hipple. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the division in this episode and discussing uh, the real-world ramifications of um, the video game and what we might be able to glean from pl- the playing of it. Thanks, Lucian. And for our normal listeners out there, we're going to be doing something a little differently with this podcast. Rather than insert our traditional advertisement or some intro music, we're actually going to play some footage from the video game for you. So listen closely, and we'll be right back after this short break to discuss Tom Clancy's The Division. Even though this Black Friday, you can sleep in. Black are all over the region. Retailers are calling this their super. 149,000 stores offering sales in the cash sales changing hands. to be a previously unknown variant of the 40 suspected case catching many experts off guard. Today I was feeling like maybe I was... the breaking news leading with unconfirmed reports of a smallpox small outbreak is a highly rehearsed scenario. And National Guard units converging no on a hospital trace. in Central The bridges Manhattan. are closed. It's more than a is a very real more danger. More than There's not enough no. Let me stop you there. This is not a panic situation. An entire American city. Central Park has been converted to a mass burial ground. Power outages, gas line leaks, fires. The government is expecting another night of widespread looting. The people of New York are begging. What would it? Either first responders are either dead. No resources available. Treated like animals. It's not a job. We're not trained for. This. In 2001. A real-world exercise tested the emergency response to a bioterror attack on the continental United States. The operation was called Dark Winter. Within just a few days, the simulation spiraled out of control. The operation predicted a rapid breakdown in essential institutions, civil disorder, and massive civilian casualties. Dark Winter has revealed how vulnerable we've become. Our lifestyle, our security, our safety, depends on a delicate and unstable economy. We've created a system so complicated that we no longer understand how to control it. Oil, power, shipping, transport. We live in a complex world. And the more complex it gets, the more fragile it becomes. The system is built on a global supply chain that gets things where they're needed, just in time. We've created a house of cards. Remove just one, and everything falls apart. In 2007, a new presidential directive was signed quietly into law. This maps out the government's response to a crisis, a plan to cope with a real dark winter. It is known as Directive 51. There are rumors of shadow agencies, sleeper cells, covert agents, but nothing can be confirmed. Our complex world is primed for breakdown. And once the chaos strikes, there won't be resources to save us all. The only question left is, what will it take to save what remains? Welcome back to the SimSex Real-Time Strategy Podcast. As we mentioned earlier, and as you heard from the short clip you just listened to, New York City is under attack and in chaos after a devastating bioterrorist attack. But 
actually, uh, before we dive into the Tom Clancy's The Division, the story, and look at uh, what's going on, let's just go around and introduce ourselves to the new uh, to our new listeners. So I'll start. My name is Brett Perry. I am a I'm based in D.C. at a defense uh, consulting firm. And when it comes to video games, the Tom Clancy ones, or the ones with the Tom Clancy name on them, even though he has absolutely no involvement with uh, many of these games, are some of my favorites. So I'm looking forward to discussing uh, The Division uh, today. So I'm going to pass it over to Henry Lucien Gauthier. Yep, I'm Lucien Gauthier. I'm a Cryptologic Technician Collections for the Navy, currently working up at Fort Meade. Also a member of the United States Naval Institute's Editorial Board, and it's always a pleasure to be here. August? I'm August Cole. I'm the uh, director of the Art of the Future Project at the Atlantic Council. I am uh, also the author of Ghost Sleep with P.W. Singer, a novel The Next World War, and uh, a, uh, a non-resident fellow at the Modern War Institute at West Point and a very uh, bad player of uh, most video games, including this one, The Division. <laughs> Aren't we all? And uh, Matthew Hipple. Yes, okay, so he's calming down now. I am Matt Hipple. I'm the president of SimSec. I think for less than a month left now, we're going to be running our election soon. And I'm Daddy the Little Matty who won't shut up and the Daddy do his podcast and take a bath like a good boy. But uh, so I've been I've dumped according to the uh, according to the log about five days into this game, which is kind of ridiculous. Hey, hey. Hey, all right. Well, I'll I'll jump in when he's back to being calm. Sounds good. So, The Division. It's uh, as uh, the game. It features New York City during winter, specifically during kind of the after shortly after Black Friday during the December and January time frame, just completely wrecked by this bioterrorist attack. And as the player, you have an array of threats that include. You know your typical muggers to to uh, community to the kind of to escape prisoners to I mean private military companies gone rogue and I mean it's a whole it's it's a it's a whole variety so you know with the Tom as a game with the Tom Clancy you know name on it it uh, you know it, at least they say they strive towards I don't want to say realism but trying to create something that's um, relatable so. So, team, what are your thoughts on the setting and the division? Do you think that it is too far-fetched and, you know, just how helpless, you know, a city like New York City is in that kind of scenario? Or do you think, uh, you know, there's some, uh, I don't want to say lessons per se, but but uh, some observations that are worth uh, making? Well, um, first of all, you know, in looking in the game, they go and tell you that it's Marburg, it's smallpox, it's... Uh, I believe Ebola as well. One genetic genius went ahead and spliced the worst bits of those diseases together to uh, make a much more virulent um, pathogen. And my thinking as I was playing through the game was, as you just mentioned, Brett, this is New York City in a very, very snowy, very cold November, at least running through the streets, it appears that way. Well, those are all hot weather, with the exception of smallpox, I suppose, but warm weather uh, diseases. Um, I'm just asking myself, like, how well would this pathogen have spread um, in winter, especially in an age where, yeah, you know, the the it, they call it what they call it the green poison because of the green back, right? So, how well would it have honestly spread 
you know, in an age where we're mostly, you know, I use my iPhone for half of my transactions at this point, you know, with Apple Pay, and then I'm using my debit card. I'm not really dealing with cash anymore. So it kind of makes me wonder how, how much could this have spread based on that premise? Um, and as well, you know, you're right, the, the, the terminology thrown out fairly consistently is that this was bioterrorism. But if you look at the, uh, you know, although you get all the way up to level 30, you finish all the primary missions, and all of a sudden you get to go into the little dude's lab where he made all the stuff, right? And in there you get to hear his reasoning for what he did. And it doesn't really come across as terrorism. It comes across as just insanity um, in that he thought that the human population was overpopulated, that we weren't going through natural selection anymore, and that, you know, we needed to let nature sort it all out. And the, 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 the antagonist there even goes as far to say even that includes himself. So, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, it's interesting that you you word it that way because of there's a very specific definition of terrorism. And in this particular case, he's not trying to intimidate anyone. He's not trying to enact any specific uh, political change or overthrow a government. He's literally like, oh, I designed this virus uh, because I want to call the human race, period. I don't care if they're scared. You know, he doesn't care how it happens. Right. He just which is weird. So, uh, I, I, realize, I mean, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. I didn't realize that I, was his exact reasoning. It actually reminds mm-hmm. me of, um, not in the Rainbow Six video games, but in the Rainbow Six book. You'll recall or oh, that, yeah. um, you know, the bad guys had a similar thing. They wanted to spread a disease because they thought the human race was They're too big. And <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, it's, right. um, but it's, uh, I didn't realize that. So it is, you know, I guess close, still kind of has Tom Clancy's fingerprints on it, even though. Mm-hmm. He was not involved with the game at all. Mm-hmm. I think I think one of the things though about the you know the accuracy, the biology or the pathology, I guess, of, of the pathogen, if that's how you say it. I mean, it, it's it's a device, right? It's a mechanism to get people, sure. you know, in a in a layperson's uh, sense, into the game quickly, like using a lot of the things that people have experienced in the media. And then once you're in this world, so I mean, one of the things that really gets me about the game is you know I spent a little bit of time in New York and seeing. You know, streets that feel familiar, if not, you know, they're rendered perfectly. But, you know, there is a kind of credibility to the visual. Mm-hmm. When I played the beta, I was just blown away by how disturbing it was. You know, that game Destiny, which kind of, I think, set a really high bar for the, um, you know, kind of open environment that you can get lost in. I didn't really connect with it, but this, I connected with it in a really almost a uh, scary way. Uh, and then the kind of the scale of the challenge of, like, trying to get, you know, power trying to get security back up online you see you know just the absolute challenge that you face in operating one of these big environments of trying to figure mm-hmm. out not even just getting bad guys but how, how do you help the good guys uh, and that's one of the great things about the game well so, and, it's, and it's trying to restart everything uh from scratch i think you know we start this conversation out i was just as we were discussing sort of his rationale behind this virus it got me to thinking about what is the point of this game. If you play something like Plague Incorporated, that's about the virus. The, vi- the game is not about the virus. The game is about – the virus is pretty much done in large part in New York. Sure, people are still catching it, but, I mean, the subway's full of body bags. I mean, it's pretty much gone through the city, and mm-hmm. for your practical purposes, it's killed everyone it's going to kill. The problem is now – the people left who have decided that the old system of government or civil society or whatever you want to refer to isn't worth keeping. 
And that's ultimately the challenge of the game and always the real challenge. Uh, you look at what happened with Ebola, um, and they had major issues where they said, stop touching the corpses, don't <clears throat> to open up these bags, do not use these mattresses, like don't try to reuse stuff from clinics, it's all diseased. And because of sort of people's priorities and they didn't believe the government statements and they would grab all the stuff and they would use it. They'd be sleeping on mattresses that Ebola victims had died on, or they would be doing funeral rituals where they touch the bodies of the dead who had the Ebola virus. So the problem wasn't really necessarily the Ebola virus. It was that the human beings responding to it, the institutions responding to it were unable to implement their procedures because people were resisting them. And in this environment, you've got LMB, the, uh, the last man battalion, the cleaners, the rioters, and uh, the Rikers, so all the, the four different factions, all actively resisting the JTF, the Joint Task Force, um, from reestablishing order in New York. So you're, mm -hmm. it's not really a game about a virus, and it's thankfully not a zombie game either. It's it's a it's a it's a reconstruction uh, simulator. Well, it is, but but the the solution in this simulator, and I'm really interested to see your guys' take on what I'm about to say here, is that there was a national security directive which authorized essentially, um, you know, the way I take it is a national guard, a splinter cell version of the national guard, full of soft caliber operators to just go live out in the wider society, have a whole nother life. But when the call comes down, you activate, <clears throat> run around in your civilian clothes and um, attempt at reestablishing order. Um, and I, that I just found pretty amazing. The whole notion that it's this type of national guard construct, so to speak, um, is the solution to a situation like this. Yeah. It's well, it's one thing oh, that I, one thing that I kind of, um, I don't want to say I struggle to, to, to understand, but, you know, because you have this national, like, it's the National Guard in the game, it's called the Division, and that's what everyone refers mm -hmm. to it as, and it's, you know, from what the game makes it sound like, it's pretty big, as there's, as these guys, I mean, they're like, they're like sleeper cells, pretty much, and that's how the game mm -hmm. describes them, they're like sleeper cells embedded in American society, and, you know, they're activated in waves, and by the time your character is activated, I believe he's part of, like, the third or the fourth wave, and they're viewed as these kind of, you know, super soldiers, uh, I, may, I mean that may be too strong, but they're viewed and they're, refer, they're referred. You know, you know the the Marines in the game and the police officers. You know, they all kind of you know bow down to the, these uh, division guys. But you know, it, I find it hard to that you know someone could just you know suddenly just come out of you know mm -hmm. of like you know a 15 year period of just dormancy and all of a sudden be you know a super soldier, especially when you maintain when you may be maintaining um, you know your your, I don't, your real life job or, or whatever it is. I just, you know, I mean, a lot of those guys, you know, they they practice a lot. You know, it's mm -hmm. and they develop their skills based on experience. So that that was one part that I that I you know found um, that that that, I, that 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 struggled to resonate. But you know, it is really interesting that um, you know a government, or, I mean, even if you know if this is all true that. You know, we would think, okay, even when we get our best, you know, military and law enforcement resources, you know, pulled together, you know, the ultimate kind of the vanguard is going to be this national guard of people just embedded in society. It's an interesting concept. I mean, 
you know, the mythology of like the hero, right, who comes in and, you know, can be the answer to society's problems is something that, you know, the the way we talk and, and, you know, kind of portray special forces in the media, you know, it seems pretty aligned with that. I mean, I think one of the really interesting questions, like when you think about public order challenges and these really big breakdowns, you know, you go back to Katrina uh, and how hard it is if you are in that that community that is designed, you know, in peacetime or, or non, you know, kind of chaos to deliver medical care or public safety. How do you take care of your family? How do you, you know, manage to fulfill your job, your mission, while also doing the things that society needs you to do, too? And I think you're kind of talking about that. Uh, kind of mismatch the game. It doesn't really address, um, but it almost doesn't try to. And, I, and again, it's a, it might be okay given the kind of uh, lengths they've gone to to give it such a realistic feel visually and, and otherwise. Well, they do. They do address it in a in a small way, and that's Fei Lao. So yep. as you go through the game, you've got this uh, voice that's constantly nattering you about all these different things while you're busy trying to do your job. Um, and it's Fei Lao, the stand-in commander, because the commander that you were going to arrive with uh, got blown up uh, when a helicopter was taken out. So sh- there's a side mission where she's like, hey, my sister is lost somewhere in town. Uh, if you have the chance, go find her, but we have other priorities, and I understand we're not supposed to be dedicating resources to this, so you know, just, just keep in the back of your mind, I would appreciate it. Uh, so she's sort of having that internal struggle, uh, and of course that's that's not really the focus of the game. As you, as an individual character, or Fei Lau, or any of the individuals, it's it's the story of New York. So they don't focus that. But I think they put that little side mission in there to kind of explain. Okay, so all these people have dedicated themselves to this greater cause of, hey, the entire country is collapsed because Directive 51, which is this executive order doesn't get implemented until it's complete shit show crazy time and that's the the game talks about that so it's not like oh yeah these these uh, division agents just show up because things get bad we're talking about new york is falling apart the jtf is failing sarah's unable to stop the the uh, the fl- the uh, expansion of the infection so things have gotten really bad, and this is spreading across the country to the point where people are wondering which cities are safe, and they don't know which cities are still under control anymore. So, uh, in in that you know in that sense, you know, these aren't just arbitrary folks, but they do deal with that. And and another topic that I wanted to really quick touch on is so if you're thinking about the difficulty of implementation or how unrealistic this this group is. It kind of struck me, I, no point in time in this game am I doing anything that the JTF wouldn't do or that police wouldn't have the authority to do because every single one of the enemies I end up engaging pretty much yells and aims guns at me. So it's not like I walk up to the LMB and they say, hey, back off, buddy. This is our territory or we're trying to do something or the Rikers say, hey, man. I'm just hanging out. I haven't done anything wrong. They literally all just shoot at you. And all the missions that you end up doing are ones where someone's been kidnapped and they're surrounded by armed uh, armed combatants or there's a generator down and you try to restart it and a bunch of people jump up and try to shoot you. It's, it's, it's not like you're doing anything extrajudicial because in this fictional world – the that sort of there there are some moral questions uh, in this game, but they're not tactical ones. 
your enemies are pretty clear. They they establish their presence as soon as you show up. Yeah, I mean that that's um, th- that, I, that is true. But at the same time, though, I mean it's it's a lot of you know shooting and you know and killing and you know it's it's just. I mean, it, it feels like you know all-out war because you know you'll get in a gunfight, you know, not even against not even against um, you know Lost Man Battalion, but um, you'll be shooting, you know, you'll get in a fun gunfight with you know uh, like a group like a gang, and they'll have snipers posted, and and I mean it it, it um, I mean it, it's incredible how all of a sudden and it's you know it's you one single person against like you know six or seven dudes that. Have you completely outmaneuvered? And it's um, it's it's, it's pretty. Did it strike anyone else how, especially this sort of struck me when I got to the Lincoln Tunnel level, which is where a major supply route into the city that's secured by the JTF is under attack by rioters. Okay, so apparently the JTF is filled with like National Guardmen, dudes who have been to Iraq and Afghanistan. You're a super badass spy. How come random rioters holding their pistols sideways are so friggin' dangerous? I think one of the major issues in this game is Isn't that the pistol apparently... sideways a kill shot? Yeah, exactly. No, you're you're sitting there and someone snipes you in the face with a sideways pistol. You should basically, if if a if a a small unit of Joint Task Force National Guardsmen who have been fighting in this city for probably you know maybe two months have a problem dealing with dudes with nothing but a hoodie and a pistol, we're screwed. Like, where did this army come from? I think, I think, I think the JTF army. even includes Marines as well, but I may be... Marines, police, yeah. I mean, talk mm-hmm. police SWAT units and stuff like that. Yeah. Who are these people? Like, why are you having such a problem? Like, I get the LMB. Those are those are veterans. Those are Those are people that are really high-end levels of military skill. But the Rikers are just criminals... The other the the uh, cleaners are just a bunch of dudes with homemade flamethrowers trying to burn bodies. They're not ex- especially combat proficient, and the riders are they're just people breaking windows. Right? Yeah, the riders are a bunch of people breaking windows trying to find food. And yet the JTF, the United States military, the most powerful force on the planet that's fought multiple wars of reconstruction, is like, oh no, sideways pistol, I'm dead. All eight of us just got wrecked by three rioters. I, I agree with you because I think you know I think you pointed out earlier how you know by the time the game starts you know the virus has done 90% of its damage and so it's you know it's like how so virus is done you know why why is cleanup so hard when you have everyone mobilized already it's not like you're waiting for you know a governor to you know get the resources I mean you have the you have the Marines you have the National Guard I mean you have everyone there ready to go but they're unable to do it I, I, that was one area that I that I couldn't figure well, out well the the most, I have to say, the most glaring example of why things are so difficult to do within the game itself is that you play this entire game on foot, with the exception of the one helicopter ride across the Hudson. You run through the streets of New York City, and it's littered with vehicles of various sizes all the way throughout on every street. That and of are course, still running. Right, and there, of course the game <laughs> mechanics are there so that you have cover to use so you can maneuver and fire and stuff like that, which was incredibly well done, by the way. The mechanics in this game oh, yeah. are... Are, are sublime, um, but you know this game keeps alluding to the logistics needs, the infrastructure needs of of uh, providing, let's assume, a hundred thousand people left alive in the city, and yet you see no true evidence of logistical movements other than vehicles who, 
you know, they might have been there three weeks. They might have been there a month. Who knows? You know, right. maybe maybe, maybe they ran out of gas. Right. Well, no, they haven't because their headlights are still on and they're still running. <laughs> right. Um, and, and at one point, I think Falcon lost the new mission. You go into this room and they say, oh, no, it's a special weapon, a APC, armored personnel carrier. We've got to take it out. Oh, my God. And you're like, wait a minute. I just saw seven armored personnel carriers on my way. Do we not have a gas tank? Can I not go made, start one of these? Made by the lowest bidder. Made by the yeah, lowest bidder. Right. Well, this is one of your APCs. This is literally an APC they took from the street and brought into a water treatment facility for God knows what reason. It's not like this is a logistical hub where they were able to bring it. And yeah. so I'm fighting an APC indoors. Oh, side note, talking about things that are silly, you're you're talking about walking around New York on foot. Where's all the psychopaths in the skyscrapers with the hunting rifles? Half right. of these horses. Snipers, yeah. yeah. There's no – I mean I get some of them are on a rooftop, but this is – I mean this is madness. You've got buildings that are 60 stories tall with thousands of Well, it is Midtown. Rooms. It's not It's not Manhattan yet, so there's not too terribly well, many – So you know, There's in, a lot in, in an urban when it comes to finding a sniper. In an, in an urban environment like that though – like, you know, you talk about moving through with vehicles and stuff, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, due to the due to the threat and the, you know, the complexity, you know, all the different possible angles of attack, I mean, isn't moving by on foot, because, you know, that's like the slowest, you know, it's kind of the slowest way to ensure that you're clearing everything, isn't that, I don't want to say is that, if, if, is that what, what would be done, but, I mean, I'm just trying to think, like, you know, if, if I woke up tomorrow and D.C. was, you know, like the division, you know, mm-hmm. would there be, you know, Abrams tanks in the middle or, or, or how would, you know, how, I guess the question is, is, you know, how realist, realistic is um, the JTF's response and, and what lessons? Well, my, well, to be sure, my critique isn't necessarily of what your character does to uh, achieve the game's objectives. I'd say that my real critique here is of what the, what the game designers set up as the objectives and how they went ahead and articulated the achievement of those objectives. So, you know, as I was kind of saying earlier, the the uh, logistical challenges of bringing supplies into New York City, it's just you don't see it happen. It's not it's not there for the character to observe. Um, but then on top of that, it's the illusion of, you know, they, 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 the, the game designers wanted to go ahead and give an open world to the player uh, to achieve all these, you know, some some semi parallel goals. You know, you've got the the security goals, the medical goals, and the infrastructure goals, the three different areas. And, of course, you're rewarded for achieving each by your character gaining new capabilities. Well, in, in playing the game, when I first started going through it, I'm looking at those three categories. And in my mind, the way I approached it was, well, I've got to, we need security before we can really start worrying about any of the other things, right? Because if you're getting shot at, how are you going to cure a disease? Um, so I started going for those goals, but I quickly came to find out that, well, if I'm only going after the security objectives, I'm lacking abilities that I need maybe to advance further in these more difficult levels with more capable enemies. So I think my real critique here is that open world illusion that the game designers are providing. It's only my assumption that the game designers were going into this thinking that, oh, well, real world scenario where where a government an organization needs to solve a complex problem like a, like a, a biological event in New York City well it's wide open the sky's the limit in the options on how you tackle this problem 
Whereas I don't think that's necessarily the case in real life. In real life, yeah, you can literally do whatever you want, but you're more likely to fail in 99.9% of the opportunities or, or possibilities um, than if you go with the tried and true uh, things that have led to doctrine that we have to deal with real life scenarios. Yeah, well, I think I think to a certain point, um, the game is correct in the way that it forces you to deal with some of these things because security is great, but how are you going to maintain it? Um, if you don't have this, I, I mean, health sort of general, I guess health and welfare for the population. Okay, I have no health and welfare for the population by lots of security. I, is that going to work? Because I need health and welfare for the people imposing the security too. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have the the engineering side. So I did kind of like the way they forced you to attack these things at different times. And I think also they added a timing aspect of it. So you'll all of a sudden be uh, uh, faced with this challenge uh, to to get some information on this disease. Well, the cleaners are burning down the building. You're like, well, sorry, a priority I have is security right now. They're burning the building down. Get your ass over there and get the mm-hmm. stuff out of it or, or it disappears forever, and that opportunity is lost. So I, I did think that um, – I mean, okay, so it's not a bunch of guys that are out in a fob considering reconstruction in New York. But I think for a fictional world uh, in, in this construct that they've created, I thought it was actually pretty good. Uh, I mean it wasn't and, – and to speak to your point of you didn't see this logistic – I appreciate – appreciate's the wrong word. I respect the fact that the game designers can only go so far. They're not going to mm-hmm. put a whole bunch of trucks moving back and forth. This is not GTA. Uh, and, right. of course, if you put moving vehicles, then that has to then suggest that, why can't I drive a vehicle? And they don't want you to drive a vehicle. They want that block-by-block, room-by-room vibe. Um, and then you know you have vehicles, and then if you don't have destructible environments, that's not realistic. Um but they did set it up as you go through the dark zone and different points. You see realistic-looking checkpoints. You see roads divided into supply routes and car vehicle inspections and refueling points. So you do get the sense that before the shit really hit the fan, that there was some some rhyme and and reason to the to the martial to the way that they were imposing martial law getting supplies into the city. So you see the remnants of that. So while it's not in action, you do see it. And in some of these missions, you kind of you kind of encounter some of their difficulties. So I'm I'm sure this is really only happening in a period of days, really. Mm-hmm. So when you go up to the Lincoln Tunnel, of course it's not running. It's under attack and the gates were busted through by a by a giant truck and, and something else. And you go to these different facilities, they have just been assaulted and destroyed, like the Madison Square Garden. You're wondering, well, wait a minute. I just cleaned it out of rioters. It's got vast no- amounts of medical equipment. Why am I not using this? You're like, well, because while you, the player, have been playing this game for a week trying to do these missions, this is probably day three. And they don't exactly have the resources to just restart a huge Madison Square Garden-sized field hospital. So I, perhaps you as a player also have a little warped sense of time where for you it's a week or a month where you're mm-hmm. running around the dark zone, but for your actual character, it's maybe three or four days. Mm-hmm. When, what do you guys think about the dark zone? Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. It's uh, So the dark zone, for, for listeners that aren't familiar with the game, so the virus, like Ground Zero, got so bad. It was um, it, it was still contaminated in the sense that, you know, you, it was – 
you, you'd have to walk around with a gas mask. And, you know, there was, you know, the it was that looters and that lawlessness, you know, times like two, just much worse. And so basically the government builds a giant kind of wall and quarantines it. And, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's, um, so the whole point of the Dark Zone, the Dark Zone has absolutely no JTF. It's like that's an area where the government has surrendered. The only people that go into the Dark Zone are it's either... It's like Escape from New York. Yeah. The Snake Plissken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's either, you know, civilians oh, that God. are just Oh, God, now really I know lucky. where the president's going to be. <laughs> oh, no, now I... Oh, I know, where, I, I know where they're going with this now. That's stupid. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways. Yeah, no, it's basically civilians and then just, you know, all these looters and bad guys... And then the few division agents, you know, those are the only guys that have the authorities to go in there. And so I guess I'll start it off. You know, for me, the Dark Zone is, right, it's the only area where I play in the game. I mean, that's where the biggest excitement is. And because you're running around, you're always outclassed, so it's always a guaranteed challenge. And, and, uh, but, and then your enemies could also be other division agents or other your call your co-players that go rogue and so it's uh it, it's uh for me i think it's the most fun part of the game and that and it kind of gives it gives you that little bit of a adrenaline rush because you come up to these guys and you're like oh no are these guys good or are they bad or is he going to blow my brains off you know in five minutes if i tag along with them and or you know it also you know like lets that um evil uh you know let, let you kind of you know, if you're an evil person, like, let that come out because it's like, hmm, maybe I'll help this guy. Let him carry all the gear and then backstab him right before he puts it on the helicopter. I don't know. Well, I'll let someone else. I had, a, I had a situation where there was a player who was playing, you know, blue good, who was spotting for someone who was playing bad. And I think they're divvying up the loot they got from the players that this guy <laughs> led them to. I was like, that is a brilliant tactic. <laughs> People yeah. adapt, man. People adapt. And as this game mm-hmm. shows. Well, it's it's kind of interesting. You look at the the group dynamics. You you never you'll see the rogues. The rogues are always a you know maybe you'll have four guys on a team. So the rogues are typically when they're operating together are a group of people that do one know one another. But you'll sort of watch an organic movement where okay a rogue pops up all of a sudden all the good players might go oh it's a rogue let's go get that guy and then you'll have a bunch of people. Yeah, you'll operating see, like, together, can't communicate. Don't yeah, they'll just descend on these dudes, and you'll have that too in a lot of places where you'll show up. There'll be this sort of nervous standoff where you'll pace around, and be like, oh, "Is this guy gonna? Is this guy gonna kill me? Am I should I kill him? What's going on?" And then you know, like, okay, well, I'm gonna go over here, and are you gonna go over here with me? And then you're just wandering around with some people who are vaguely operating together and you're also some of the mechanism is silly too because you'll accidentally shoot those people and it'll make you rogue and the Mm -hmm. worst is those little bastards who make you turn rogue by specifically jumping in front of you or Or getting near your weapons when right they'll see you'll throw you'll throw a grenade and then they'll run into the grenade so that they so that's kind of an interesting interesting uh dynamic but the thing about the the dark zone for me is i get it so the vibe, I get the vibe. There's no, there's no authorities. It's total chaos. There's corpses everywhere. This is where most of the military hardware is, which makes sense. So you see these 
these roads set up and these refueling points and logistics centers and HQs and, and stuff all over the place because, of course, this was ground zero, so this is where all that hardware would be. And it makes sense that, okay, we all had to abandon the position, and that's why there's so many weapons and powerful enemies in here because these lunatics just descended on all this equipment uh, and just started using it at one another. Uh, but the mechanism by which the Dark Zone exists is just dumb. Uh, it's like, ooh, we set up some plastic sheets on this building. And you're like, well, okay, well, I'm going to get in the door on one side of this building and cut the sheet open on the other. Okay, hooray, I'm out of the dark zone. The the whole building a wall thing in the middle of New York, I realize that New York is the home of Donald Trump. Uh, but, no, this is not an effective implementation of a wall. Uh, but uh, you know what? It's an I believe button that I'm I'm willing to press. You know, the, what's, the really, rest... what's interesting about Dark Zone, though, is the way people collaborate. And this is true outside of it, too. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. if anything, I've learned from this game or tried to figure out is, you know, how people who don't know each other can collectively, you know, operate and do anything, you know, in a team with really no incentive to do so other than, I don't know, some, you know, digital self-preservation, whatever you call it in gaming. Uh, and yet, you know, people do actually, you know, play together pretty well, you know, and they most mm-hmm. of the time don't try to, you know, take advantage of each other, unlike everyone else in New York. And I think that's kind of a fascinating thing, particularly you think about future war, when we are looking at a lot of man-machine integration and teaming, and you're going to have networks forming that are ad hoc, you know, between mm-hmm. people and devices and aided by networks that aren't much different probably than like what a PlayStation is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that's something I think to kind of think about and take away from this game. Well, the, I mean, the the it's not quite organic how it works in the dark zone, though. Uh, there's been quite a bit of debate on Reddit and elsewhere uh, in terms of this game on how they've designed the rogue element in um, in the dark zone and how um, I forget how they tweaked it, but originally the way it was set up is that there was almost no incentive uh, for somebody not to go rogue. It was too easy for somebody to go rogue. Um, just wipe out people, get their loot, and take off with it. And then they actually had to t- modify it further to affect uh, human behavior in there, um, as you as you would see it today if you were in there right now. Um, so it's not quite organic, but yeah, I still find it absolutely fascinating um, how exactly how uh, random people who don't even maybe necessarily know each other's voice, what it sounds like, can all of a sudden cooperate on a level and communicate. That's what I find the most uh, incredible, is how you can actually fairly well communicate with another player that you don't know at all, their playing style at all or anything, and end up understanding what moves and anticipating what your teammate will do to achieve whatever goal you have in the game right there. Um, you know, it's it's because in Halo, comparing this to Halo, um, without communication in Halo, it, it all falls apart. It falls apart pretty quickly. I don't play well with others in Halo, as a matter of fact. It falls apart um, with communication. It, with communication, yeah. There's there's something else going on too. It's not just being able to talk to each other or not being able to talk to each other. There's something else. There's some other element I can't place my finger on that they've put into the division. That's enabled this greater sense of cooperation and even uh, herd mentality. You know, protecting the herd from the the, the agents that go rogue and stuff. So, well, yeah, maybe I, part- I think it is the herd <laughs> mentality. I mean, because you know, you mm-hmm. you'll you'll find someone else and you'll I don't know share loot or one of you guys will get loot. But like the more you spend, the more time you spend, you know, kind of with each other, it's like okay. You know, I can trust this guy more and more. He hasn't blown me off yet. You know, he's helped me and vice versa. You know, he's thinking okay. You know, he's helping me out. Um, and so it's like you know the more you work together, you know the stronger that cooperation gets. Um, and the, and the 
the thing about the, the the dark zone is that it's very non-forgiving. So if you do die, mm-hmm. it's not like you respawn, you know, five feet away with all your stuff. You lose mm-hmm. experience points. Like a mile. Yeah. Right. You, you you spawn a far away. You spawn far away. You lose all your gear that or the gear yep. that you picked up, and you lose. You like actually level down. So like in video right. games, you know, you normally level up. It's like kill ten guys, you know, hundred XP. Like if you mm-hmm. die, you you level down, and so it's it's like shit. And then you level down. You can't use the gear that you unlock, and so it's like, you know, dying sucks in the in, in mm-hmm. the game. But it's fascinating. Oh really? How... Dying sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a crazy thing to yeah. simulate. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's impressive. Like still, like even though the stakes are so high, people will just kind of come together, you know, seamlessly. Or like I said, there'll be other times where people will just be complete douchebags, or remind mm-hmm. you that humanity is a lost cause. It could be. It could be also that there's a very okay in Halo. Halo is a lot of jumping around. You got beast mode shields. You're driving vehicles off of cliffs and doing flips and all sorts of insane crap. Halo's kind of a crazy it's a it's a crazy shooter. And I I would also almost say it's not even really a shooter. You know, like Call right. of Duty shooter, Battlefield's a shooter. Halo, yeah, it's first person, but you're almost like a friggin' space wizard. Uh, with all the different stuff you've got going on. Um in in Des- Destiny, I keep calling it Destiny, because that's what it has replaced because of how Destiny was completely disappointing. Uh, but in the Division, it is very tactical. You're taking, you, you can't just run around and shoot people. You have to take cover. You have to move. You have to deploy skills. And, and you're not just deploying one-off skills because they're powerful. You're deploying things because they're complementary. So you'll have a flashbang, and then maybe you'll have a, uh, a pulse. So you flash a bunch of people so they can't see. You pulse them, increasing your critical hit chance. And, you know, that's a good combo. Or you'll have a pulse because you're operating with a group, and then you know that you're going into a harder area so that you deploy a resurrection pack. And your other teammates have other skills that they're using to support you. So there is a, is a way where in this game, if you operate with other people, it's not just four really powerful people operating side by side. You've sort of networked together, and be, and you see that with rogue groups. That's why rogue groups are such a pain in the ass, because the people responding to them aren't organized and aren't familiar with one another. But the rogue group is four people who probably guys like, let's say the four of us went on and played. We know each other. We would probably talk about you know which skill sets we're picking and how we're going to deploy them and where we're going to set up a trap for people. And we'll know how all those things. So 12 people jump on four rogues properly organized and those 12 people might just get wiped because the rogues have created a sort of network uh, and system of skills that forgive the buzzword but to force multiplier another right. thing that the dark zone does really well is you know because the game the setting is really kind of this urban warfare and i think i don't know if it's the new york setting or if it's just like the high stakes and the dark zone that make you go slow but i mean it it, it kind of it makes this urban warfare, you know, concept just seem very, very daunting. I remember when the game, you know, when it first came out, I was with a group of guys, and we we're, we were exploring the Dark Zone, some of the the parts near the north that were harder, and we didn't, we, you know, it was like literally one block at a time in terms of just movement. You know, it's like okay, you know, there's snows, you know, the visibility's bad because there's a blizzard, so okay, you know, that's cool was, too. We got to talk about the weather. Yeah, it was, you know, it was coordinated movement, you know. 
you know, we all had our rifles. It's not like we had, you know, a drone overhead telling us where everything is. It, you know, it was like we had our rifles. We each were kind of, you know, watching, you know, certain, um, you know, certain parts as we moved. And we kind of had this bounding movement. And it made me, you know, and, you know, after doing that, it, you, it kind of, um, you know, it just makes you go, whoa. I mean, there's just urban warfare. These urban environments are just so much more complex than, you know, kind of these. And this isn't even a real one. Right. Exactly. I don't even have to deal with the asshole that's up on floor 25 with a hunting rifle. Right. And also I have a simulated bunch of body armor that even if I take a shot to the face, uh, I won't die. Right. So I guess, I mean, August, you're the futurist in the group. Is this what urban warfare is going to look like in, in, uh, in the future? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the, you know, ad hoc networks, man. the way, yeah, the way we're, interfacing you know with one another you know it's there is a a element of total unbelievability but the complexity of what you're trying to manage you know as an individual who doesn't know essentially anybody he's playing with more or less yet you have to do something you know which is both part of self-preservation but also kind of the ad hoc aspect of teaming i think is actually really important in the future of, of urban conflict because you know you go into a city of 20 or 30 million people there's no way you're going to be able to you know have consistent relationships and alliances with the inhabitants of the area, you know, the kind of microstructures. There's a subterranean pack also coming out for the game at some point, which I think is something that the Army particularly is looking at right now and worried about, uh, you know, how to how to kind of operate underground. And I think this game, you know, in that context is really interesting because it really gets, a, I think, one of the kind of acute, you know, concerns, if not, you know, uh, focuses of the next few years for, for the Army and figuring out how to, how to operate in, in large, you know, environments like, again, even like Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing when you get in a firefight against rogues um, in this game how it's, you know, all of us, one moment they're on top of a building, another moment they're underground. You know, it's a lot of, you know, the, the city's a big place, and there are a lot of places to hide, and it, it's not like, you know, a battle happens and it stays there. I mean, they, they, I mean sometimes, you know, if you, you're getting shot at, you just take off and start sprinting. Um, and uh, it, it's... It's interesting how the how the it kind of creates that um, complexity. But with that, I see that we're, we're we're nearing the end of our time. So before we wrap up, I was thinking maybe why, why doesn't everyone go around and have one of their more memorable dark zone experiences? Slash, you know, why it makes you uh, like the game a lot. Does that sound good? Sounds fine by me. Okay. Yeah. So I will start off. Uh, when I was playing the beta, and this is, you know, so when I was playing, it was actually during the beta, there was this group of rogues. They uh, secured the top of a building. There was only one way up. There was one ladder up to the top of the building. <laughs> and everyone who <laughs> went up that ladder just got lit up. It was it was bad. And it was, um, and so of course, you know, these rogues, they're flashing. I mean, you have like the whole, you have like every division agent you know, on the server, camped out, just climbing up the ladder one by one until until they realized that maybe this wasn't a good idea. And so then, but it was interesting because, you know, during this, some guy put out his turret. Uh, it was actually me. I put out my turret. Some guy stood in front of it so that it made me go rogue. <laughs> so I'm rogue in front of, you know, these, you know, 30 guys or 20 guys. So I immediately duck. There, there's some shots fired. One of these guys... You know, I think he was probably a little drunk or something because he's like, why'd you go rogue? Why'd you go rogue? And I'm like, you know, the turret was just out here. 
you know, it, I'm not a bad guy. Um, but I was actually surprisingly able to stop him from, uh, from storming killing me, you. from killing me. And the timer went out. And you I was practiced like, diplomacy. Yeah, I was like, man, I, I'm the bastard of the dark zone. I, I was truly surprised because <laughs> I was like, you know, he's like shooting as I'm talking. He's like plastering the mailbox I'm hiding behind with bullets. And I'm like, oh, God. And I can't shoot back because if I shoot back, then that increases my timer. So that was a fun story just because the game, I mean, the game, and you'll see in some of the reviews, it, it doesn't get everything right. But one of the things it gets right is kind of that anarchy and the dark zone that allows for this these um, kind of natural uh, social uh, relations to, to form. So who's next with their story? Well, I'll, mine's, mine's not any sort of tactical thing. I've already spoken about one of the things that have sort of somewhat actually endeared me to the game, right. which is these super powerful rioters that are more terrifying than any terrorist group we've ever faced. Um, so there's that, just going into games, uh, missions on the challenging level for the first time and going, whoa, wait, oh, are they so powerful? Just getting jumped by eight dudes and murdered. Now, how am I spy? Like, how am I splinter cell here? I'm just getting wiped up by some dude who was working at the Gap last week, and now he picked up a pistol and doesn't know how to operate it, and now he's just murdering me and all my JTF buddies. But the thing that I thought was cool was I was wandering around the city, so I'm one of these guys who, in Fallout and Bioshock, before I move on to the next part, I'm poking around all the corners, I'm checking in all the desks, stealing all the stuff that I can, just looking around the game, and and I, I like to kind of appreciate the environment that's been created. I turn a corner... And there is an altar covered with candles that are still lit and dead rats and a giant mural of Cthulhu is on the wall. And I was like, oh, God, it's, it's not the green dollar flu. There's something a lot darker going on here. But I just I thought that was just really neat is that somebody took the time and said, all right, no one's going to come down this random dead end alley where there's no there's no phones to pick up, there's no mission, but I'm going to put this weird little Easter egg in there. So kind of in this city that's falling apart, and you've got all these lunatics. You know what? This reminds me, we, we haven't even talked about the motivations of the different groups yet. I think that that was a... we got to come back and talk about the Division again, probably when the DLC comes out, because there's a whole bunch of stuff about the, the different... Uh, the motivations of the LMB and what their objectives are and, and what the cleaners are doing. Because even though all of them are horrible in what they do, some of them are not doing – they're not doing this just because they're like, oh, I'm super evil and I want to murder people or rob people. I'll just use the cleaners as an example. Yeah, everyone's cleaners, got a good reason and it's, ra it's often yeah. more rational and that's what kind of makes the game disturbing. Yeah, is that you look at you look at Joe Ferraro. He's the leader of the, the cleaners. Um, and you know what? Actually, you know this is my kind of favorite part of the game, is that you, you got a guy like Joe Ferrero. He leads the cleaners. He uses the cleaners as the example. And they're going around. They're burning city blocks and and they're setting fire to refugee camps. And they're like, oh my god, these guys are monsters. What are they doing? Until you realize that Joe Ferrero, his wife was one of the first people lost. He's got family outside of this city. His whole squad, his entire team, are all people who have stayed behind and could have escaped the city but didn't. And they are, they're saying, hey, we got to burn the disease out because our family, our friends, all these people, the rest of the country, like this disease is just being pumped out of the city. If we don't stop it, like the human race dies. So do I have to do terrible things? It sucks, which I mean – as the JTF is demonstrating, you don't have to do those terrible things, and it's not the only option. 
But they've decided, hey, I've got to just start setting fire to parts of the city until the disease goes away, and then my family can survive. So you look at that and you say, you guys are really messed up. What you're doing is wrong. But it's not because you like destruction or you're really into murdering people. You are literally terrified that the human race will be wiped out by this disease, that fear is driving their actions. So that, that's kind of each, – each team – and the Rikers are very different. Um, you know, And the Riders, of course, are just robbing people for supplies or trying to escape. Uh, but I'd say the LMB and the, and the cleaners have – are the more interesting, the two more interesting teams. I mean, both terrible in their conduct, but when you consider the situation they're in, um, it makes a sort of twisted sense. Yeah, they're rational actors. <clears throat> yep. Oh. I guess uh, the, the, the part I've enjoyed the most, it's not, Dark Zone's fun, but uh, I had one experience to where I just uh, hooked up with a bunch of randos and uh, tried to run through one of the challenge missions. And, you know, I wasn't anticipating any real luck in actually getting through the challenge mission, which is the most difficult setting on difficulty, which is the largest number of enemies where you really have to work as a team and fail, fail, fail again to finally succeed. Um, but four hours later and playing with these guys, it worked out perfectly. Um, so to speak a little bit towards what we were mentioning earlier in terms of just the, the interesting dynamics that seem to exist within this game more uniquely than others to where it's more successful to work in a team – um, that's what I've enjoyed the most, um, and I applaud Ubisoft for doing that well. Mm-hmm. August? I think just the design of the game, the set, you know, just spending time walking around in it, you know, the that's way true. the light and the weather changes, the just you know, little details that they've, that they've, you know, kind of put throughout it, whether it's finding those Easter eggs, which I haven't really found. Um, I think it's really... It's pretty powerful. Uh, you know, there's a big shortcoming, though, in the game, and this is true of, you know, so many of the large worlds that, that are being created online. But, you know, you can't play between an Xbox and a PS4, and I get all the economic reasons, but, like, to really, I think, realize the potential of some of these, both in kind of thinking about the future and also just as, like, a fun experience, they've got to figure out a way Aren't to Aren't they knocking that, that wall down soon? Uh, I mean, it should be down. Bit already. by bit, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, Microsoft and I think, wants to, at least. Yeah. There, there's a you know corollary in the dark zone too, where like you know if you have someone who's a dramatically different, I get why they do this dramatically different level, you can't play with them, and so you know there is that kind of alignment that has to happen as well. But uh, mm-hmm. but the game's the game's really something, and uh, you know the kind of credibility in the detail when you just step back and look in you know at one of these streets and you're looking at the rooftops, watching the steam come off a building that's in the corner of your vision, you're like, this is a very faithfully rendered world, and for that reason, it's mm-hmm. really disturbing. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's a great game, and uh, and I'll probably keep playing it. Yeah, it's uh, it's probably one of the most beautiful games, just because it, I mean everything. It makes. I think there was one guy on Reddit that actually like posted like, "Here's my place where I work in the in the, it's in the dark zone, and it's like everything's accurate except for all the you know corpses leader outside and at the dumpster." <laughs> but uh, but um, with that, let's we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. So if you're one of our New York listeners, you know when you step out after listening to this, uh, step outside after listening to this podcast, just you know. Enjoy the scenery, but know that if something happens, you got a bunch of uh, you got a bunch of sleeper agents ready to, to come watch your back, um, and uh, don't tr- don't trust the garbage, no matter uh, no matter what they're doing. But um, it's been a fun episode, and uh, we'll catch you next time.